Welcome to Ball vs. Life, a podcast where your hosts, JC and Jack, discuss NorCal vs. SoCal perspectives, the Bay vs. LA. Thanks for tuning in. Let's roll. Ball vs. Life, episode 15. We just had a little warm-up before recording. I, had, I got all the laughter out. Uh, homeboy JC, what's up? What's been going on, man? Uh... Not much, man. Just, uh, just living life. Just living life, trying to stay alive, bro. Watching the NBA Finals and just trying not to to pull my hair, my beard, whatever. Just because the playoffs are in full force. Yeah, I, I was uh, thinking before recording that this podcast has become such a part of our lives. Before even starting this podcast, like. You know, we were close friends, but we had kind of stopped talking for a couple of years, at least on a consistent basis. And I think I would talk to you every six to eight months, maybe even a year, dude. There are long stretches I didn't talk to you. Now I talk to you on the regular, man. It's crazy how things have changed because of this podcast. Yeah, dude, we talk daily. Yeah, I know. If 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 we're not if we're not uh, talking about the podcast or planning for the pod, we're like texting each other all kinds of random, random, random stuff that's been happening. So. I don't. I, I think it's a good thing, man. It really kind of keeps us, you know, keeps us afloat and making sure that we, you know, we're connected, bro. So I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad either. I mean, it's it's definitely a good thing. It kind of is like a throwback to back in the day when we lived together, man. We used to just chat it up all the time, chop it up all the time. Yeah, dude. I I feel like we talk even more now than we did when we were living together. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. So it's 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 kind of weird, but it's it's good, man. It's just one, at least with the podcast, is one grand experiment. <laughs> we were talking about this before recording, uh, just to put it out there. Our our Instagram, it's also an experiment. We've been posting pictures of food, and recently we post Senior Seasig, which is a food truck up in the Bay Area. Um, they do a shout Filipino out Senior Seasig. Yeah, shout out to yeah, Senior Seasig. I actually tried their their uh, their food once. Yeah. Well, what do you think of Senior Seasig? Dude, it's so good. You're on the spot. I, I still dream about it, dude. <laughs> There's nothing like that in LA. No, dude. There is nothing like that in LA. It's definitely a NorCal kind of spot. It captures the vibe of like this whole Daly City, South City, Upper Peninsula, San Francisco, Filipino food vibe, dude. It's hella NorCal for sure. Yeah. Just the Filipino fusion food, I don't think is really hit like mainstream yet. Like they're like the... Pioneers, yeah. <laughs> they're like the pioneer yeah. of that. At least in the Bay Area, here there's nothing like that. They they need to come down or like find a way to branch out. Or somebody needs to come up with like copy their shit. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Someone someone needs yeah. to start that up Se- down here. Yeah, Sen- yeah, Senor Seasig, man, you might be listening. It might be time that there might be a market down in SoCal. I'm pretty sure folks in SoCal would love it, dude. I know you know burritos and tacos are are big in SoCal. The Mexican food vibe is very very well entrenched in that culture. But you mix it up. You got to change it up with the Filipino Filipino flavor, and it's it's pretty dope, bro. I know you don't live down here, but I had a quick question. Do yeah. you know if there's a huge Filipino community in LA? <laughs> I actually yeah, don't dude, know. There's, no, there's a huge Filipino community in Rancho Cucamonga for sure. I know oh. San Diego got a lot of Filipino people as well, but Rancho is the biggest one that I know of comes to mind. But they're just kind of all over the place. But in California, Daly City is 
for sure yeah dude the the home of the filipinos it's like, it's like arcadia hub, for filipinos bro you guys come straight off the boat and plane right into daily city yeah dude that's why senor Sisig rules and you know i always hit up senor Sisig whenever they're around they they they're at uh, off the grid which is kind of like a food truck scene up here in, in norcal and they kind of set up shop in all these kinds of uh, different locations over here so off the grid, man. That's that's Bay Area lifestyles. If you if you they, guys are from, they've the... definitely they've definitely grown. I think they've got a couple food trucks now. It's not just one. Yeah, they, they, they're oh, all yeah. over the place. Uh, but to get back to on topic Absolutely. with Senior Seasick, I was on Instagram yeah. and I was scrolling through, and we follow Senior Seasick on our Ball versus yeah. Life official yeah. account. And I saw a yeah. picture of you, dude. <laughs> and I and I hit you up right away. I was like, dude, there's a picture of you on Senior Seasick's Instagram account, and then. We started talking about it. <laughs> Apparently, it's a picture that you took in front of their truck. How many yeah. years ago? <laughs> yeah. So this, the the backstory for that was, it actually wasn't a recent photo. I know they just used that. Sorry to blow up your cover, Senor CC, <laughs> but it was a photo from I think 2017. This is just a couple years back. I was a little sexier back then. <laughs> uh, but, Husky boy but, lifestyles. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess they 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 saw me and I was rocking Warriors gear. Like I was total NorCal vibe. I had my Giants cap. I had my Mike Dunleavy authentic jersey. Damn. Like that. I think it was game worn, dude. That was. I mean, if you look at the photo, it's a little bit big. No one was really trying to rock a Mike Dunleavy jersey, but I swiped at the opportunity. And they were like, hey, can we take a picture with me donning like a burrito and straight up tacos? It wasn't even just one hand. It was both. I had like a big You're ass double fisting, order. dude. Yeah, I was double fisting. And I had like this big ass smile on my face. And they were just like, snap. And it was perfect, man. It was just, you know, Filipino food. Bay Area Husky Boy, Senior Seasick Truck, and Warriors Gear, man. It was just, it was complete NorCal vibes, so. And they posted that photo right before game one, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. It was just like, of all the photos that they would use, <laughs> like, why me, dude? Like, looking at Senior Seasick's account, they seriously, 90% of the photos that they post on Senior Seasick is, like, the food pictures. And, like, of the people, it would be, like, uh, DJ Noodles, which is another Filipina DJ. Mm. Like, she's hella famous, dude. She's got, like, 500,000 followers, a million followers. Wow. And that was the next photo that they have <laughs> of a person. But you know what, Senior Seasick? I appreciate you. Thank you so much for, um, you know, showing some love. You guys can identify a true Blue Warrior fan and a true Blue Filipino food fan and hey man that smile was authentic they could feel that shit bro <laughs> yeah dude that smile was as authentic as it gets and you are like their exact demo dude husky filipino guy warrior <laughs> fan straight bay area for life dude. <laughs> they've it's been so saving funny. that photo dude to, to, to I know. Up right before the finals dude yeah their social media manager literally kept it in there i don't even know how they saved this and like yeah. as they were scrolling through it they were just like yeah we'll use that one let's use that one for game one of the finals hey, beyond I, just that the people that liked their photo we gotta talk about this they're largely <laughs> middle-aged to filipino women so shout out to all those women that like the photo we appreciate it we appreciate the love <laughs> yeah shout out to the titas over over the globe it seems like these people were like from all over the place and the titas 
Tita's in Tagalog is actually aunt, and that's mm. kind of like an endearing term that you can call any older older female. And the Tita shows some love for the photos. So thanks, <laughs> Tita's, for the love. I don't know if it was my 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 smile. <laughs> or it was the C-Sig photo? Was it the warrior gear? Was it Senior C-Sig? I don't know what hashtag triggered this this flood of uh, appreciation. But the Titas came out. I also want to put it in context. This love is not like we're gaining like thousands of likes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're small fries, all right? We're, yeah, we're, yeah, we got, yeah. We're really we're getting giggly over like thirty six likes on our phone. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you man. know what? Hey, hey man. Any any method of uh, social endorsement, I'll take. Yeah. And the Titas appreciate the C-Sig and the the smile, so I'll take it. And I'm going to say Funny thank stuff, you, Titas, bro. also. Thank you, Titas. We appreciate yeah. the love, and we want to reciprocate the love in, by shouting out the Titas. Let's, let's get down to business, though, all right? We got a lot to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Because the last time, um, our last episode was with Josh, and we talked to Atlanta Hawks, and we also did a little preview of the finals between the Warriors and Toronto. Like, just went down what Josh thought and what we thought. Um, so shout yeah. out to Josh for being a guest. He's the best, dude. He's the best. He killed it. He killed it, yeah. repping the Hawks, really educated us. But let's get into yeah. the finals, man. Two games down. How do you feel? Game one. We'll, yeah, we'll man. start with game one. Game one, man. After what? A 10-day rest period when after mm-hmm. the, the Warriors swept the Blazers, the series between the Bucks and the Raptors were still kind of wrapping up. You know, when we made our predictions, everybody was kind of calling it that it would be the Bucks coming through from the Eastern Conference, but the Raptors came through, made made some big plays, and they won. And they made it to the NBA Finals. So first time in NBA Finals history where the Finals was going to be held outside of the United States. That's and crazy, dude, man. Toronto and Canada came through in, in, in Game 1. Like, they were so freaking into it. I want to say this, like, before even that game, right? Dude, like, Toronto... It's like they won already getting to the finals, dude. They were celebrating. Like, you see the crowd. Jura- is it Jurassic Park? It's yeah, freaking Jurassic nuts, Park. man. There's nothing like it. It really felt like they fucking won the championship already. I mean, I remember the feeling when the Warriors made it that far the first time. And we were happy here. But I don't know. Toronto really, they were partying real hard, man. I'm just like the finals haven't even started. And these guys are, they're going crazy over there at Jurassic Park. They love their Raptors over there. So game one started. I mean, what did you think? Well, game one was taken by the Raptors. They won 118 to 109. And they pretty much controlled the game uh, for the most part. They came and they came out strong. I think the crowd really like fueled them. And I think with the Warriors, like you said earlier in this, uh, just, just a minute ago, that the Warriors came off a 9-day or 10-day rest. It's They were a little rusty, I'll be honest. They look a little rusty out there. And Siakam just went off. The, the role players went off, and they really just controlled the pace, pushed the Warriors into transition, and they were overwhelmed. You know, just to put it in simple terms without going into deep analysis right now, they just overwhelmed yeah. the Warriors and kept that pace going. The Warriors kind of, you know, of course, they're the champs, and they, they made the game kind of interesting, but the end, at, put, when push came to shove, the momentum yeah. was always on the Raptors' side. Yeah, so, like, I was looking at a, a stat. Apparently, a Toronto shot... 60% in shots that were attempted within four seconds or less in the shot wow. clock. 
during it's game crazy. one. If you really think about that, the Warriors try their best to defend them, but they made a lot of these sort of Hail Mary shots and it mm. went in. I mean, Siakam had a, a magical game, dude. Don't get me wrong. Pascal Siakam is a rising star. He's in the running for most improved player. He might actually win it mm-hmm. this year. The homeboy looked like KD out there. Yeah, I did. I mean, I mean, he was he was he was hitting mid range shots. He was making all these sort of off balance layups and whatnot. He was running yeah. the floor. You know, he's a really skilled player, and he really he he torched us. He torched the Warriors. It was tough to watch from a Warrior fan perspective. Yeah, he he, to- he completely controlled. The pace of the game and his he, his athleticism really showed and i wouldn't say draymond played horrible defense on him he was just on fire it's just one of those games where like the basket's like an ocean right you just throw anything in there and it goes in other than that i think yeah. some of the things that were questionable that kerr i didn't expect him to do was he started jordan bell that was kind of a mistake i kind of put the the warriors behind the eight ball in the beginning of the game marcus soul really kind of controlled the game with his size yeah i believe steve kerr's strategy for that was he wanted to have a speed five out there just to mm. kind of neutralize marcus soul unfortunately mm. steve it didn't work out in that game it was kind of curious to see what kind of adjustments he was going to try to make during in-game and eventually he did put in boogie however boogie was rusty he hadn't played since the second game of the playoffs i don't even yeah. remember it's been such a long time being thrown into the fryer essentially right away you kind of expected that boogie would uh, would need a little bit of time to get settled I'd add to the fact that he was coming from you know a r- relatively devastating injury just really wasn't going to be a good matchup and marcus Gasol torched our bigs in the in game one he was hitting threes, dude. Marcus Sol was just kind of doing everything. He was, you know, running high post. He was just, he yep. was doing everything. Yeah, he was. He really was the key, besides Siakam, to that win. Uh, because the Warriors were leaving him open. I think they were just like, pick your poison, and they were either have Marcus Sol beat them than Kawhi. And Kawhi kind of struggled in the game, but Marcus Sol hit those wide open threes. I remember throughout the game, you were texting me like, we can't be leaving these guys open. But I think that was by design. I don't think like they were doing it out of not of effort they were just loading up on Kawhi Leonard and yeah. what happens when you load up on somebody is someone's going to be open that's why Iggy's open a lot of times because they got to cover Steph and Clay, and someone's going to be open and Iggy's usually the one open or Draymond and you can tell like at least with Draymond I mean he's he's always open on top of the three-point line if you could hit that shot the Warriors would be unbeatable I'll tell you that much yeah that was the strategy that they kind of employed in Portland they were kind of smothering Dame Lillard and they yeah. were trying to get Alfa Rukaminu and all of those other players to kind of beat them. Unfortunately, that strategy backfired in game one and Siakam just went off and Marc Gasol and Van Fleet made all these big shots, which is kind of interesting just because one of the other things that Steve Kerr said was they didn't really know how to prepare for the team. Mm. Um, They didn't know the Raptors. I think they didn't really have a lot of chance to scout them. The squad that they had this year and how they matched up with the Warriors this year because they only played two games and it wasn't even a full squad. Kawhi didn't play one of the other games. Marcus Sol wasn't a part of that team. So yeah. there was a little bit of an adjustment process and it's like boxing, right? In the first couple yeah. of rounds, you kind of feel out your opponent and that's kind of how it felt for game one. But I'm just saying though, it's just like, dude, it's the NBA finals. You guys had 10 days 
to prep for these guys. I mean, they didn't know who they were matching up with, but they were only going to be one or two teams. I guess the best scouting that you can really do is actually play against the team and see how yep. you match up with them. You don't have the same, you know, the Warriors didn't have the same personnel as Milwaukee had, so it doesn't really help them as much just to see how Milwaukee matched up with them. But it was it was just a frustrating game, man. I think the biggest thing that kind of stood out to me is the Warriors were playing from behind a lot of games this postseason. Yeah. And in many in many times they were able to kind of make these runs and come back. Mm-hmm. Right? And game one was so frustrating just because the Raptors showed why they belong in the NBA Finals. Every time the Warriors tried to make a run, the Warriors were able to stave them off or come back with some hits of their own. Mm -hmm. And it was really frustrating because the blows were being thrown right back. It was tough. It was tough to watch. It kind of showed that this whole KD situation is definitely something that's not up for debate anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like an underlying storyline after Game 1. But beyond that, I also think the bench, uh, Warriors lack of bench really showed up in game one uh and toronto's bench really came through and i, I kind of was thinking that before the series we i know we talked about x factors and i said marcus soul and also the bench and that played out in game one i was i was really concerned after while watching game one i was like man if the warriors sustain another injury and iggy kind of pulled up lame a little bit at the end uh, and i was like damn if he goes down this is this is like the most vulnerable the the warriors have ever been just due to yeah. injuries dude like if anything what's stopping them from winning the championship is that mri machine <laughs> like yeah. anytime a player goes back for an mri you're just like shit are they are they going to come back like you know we'll talk about that in game about game 2 um, when we analyze yeah. it but damn like it's crazy yeah i'll tell you what i think the raptors are legit i think they're the best mm-hmm. defensive team that the warriors have matched up with thus far in mm-hmm. the playoff in this 2019 playoff run houston had talent they had some horses that could play defense mm-hmm. portland probably not as known for their de- defensive uh, ability yeah, the clippers obviously not. have some dogs dude like mm-hmm. uh, if anything they're most similar to the clippers but I mean, you have an all-world defender with Kawhi Leonard. Siakam is no slouch. He's long, and he's he's got some skills. Marcus Sowell was a perennial all-defense uh, He was center. defensive player of the he, year before. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, in, in when he was younger. So he's no slouch. And Kyle, Kyle Lowry, is, I, I think he led the league in yeah. uh, offensive fouls induced during the regular season. And mm-hmm. I think he's leading them in the postseason thus far. You know, they have some players. And Danny Green, again, another season player. So they, you know, they have some horses over there. And they have some some experience. They have some talent. So it's going to be a tough, tough series. Yeah, dude. They definitely showed it up. It showed up in game one. I think they kind of punched first, dude. They took that first punch. And the Warriors, they stayed kind of calm and collected after the game. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Steph, you know, they don't panic, dude. I know the fans panic. But those guys in the locker room, they don't panic. You can tell, man. You can tell they're like, this is a long series. We've been here. And this is a road game. And I told you after the game, I was like, the Warriors, all they need to do is split. Like, I get it. You want to win every game, right? But they're going in. They will just want to split. As long as they split, they feel like they accomplished their goal. Sure, it'd be nice to win two on the road. But this is the NBA Finals, dude. Like, you can't expect to win every game. You got to... These people, these teams are here for a freaking reason, man. Well, the fans are spoiled, man. I mean, I yeah, think the fans are we spoiled. haven't really been behind that much. Yeah, and we've uh, won most of our uh, game ones, so it was definitely uncharted territory for at least the Bay Area fans it, up here, man. We were just kind of like it was kind of throwing us off because generally we're the ones that land the first punch, 
And it was definitely a weird vibe. And the fact that we were playing on the road, it kind of made it tougher. I know it was tough for you too, like seeing Drake being Drake. I think he called Draymond trash or something like that uh, at the end of the game. Uh, I don't know the exact quote, but I I, I saw on IG that like he was mouthing that you're trash or something like that to Draymond. So Drake is all in, dude. He's he's goading like the champs, man, which I know for all those people out there uh, who talk about the Drake curse. I don't know if I was a Toronto fan, I wouldn't be feel too comfortable about that right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think we we talked about this after game one. I think I, I think I sent you a link of um, something on IG that I saw where Toronto was going crazy after game one. I think they were like dancing on cars already after game <laughs> one. And I think the comedy told me is just like so much for acting like you've been there before. Yep. But the reality is, bro, they haven't been there before, so they can't use yeah. that excuse. And the Warriors have been there before. And after game one, you, like what you said, there was no panic, despite the fans feeling kind of uneasy here. The players who played the game and who knows who they were matching up with with the best were not panicked. And it was kind of interesting to see what kinds of adjustments they were going to make after game one onto game two. Yeah, and that's a good transition to game two since, you know, game one's over. Game two just happened the other day. And it was, a, yeah. it was I was going to say it's a total different story, but no, it wasn't. Actually, the first half... There was a lot to be alarmed about. <laughs> Toronto was really handling the game as they did the first the first game. They were really controlling the pace. They were controlling the game. And the Warriors kind of cut it close at halftime. They cut it within five. And mm-hmm. then yeah. it was all it was it was a different story that second half. And you know, to, to sum it up, the Warriors won <laughs> game two. So the Warriors pulled through game two, so they made the adjustments. Uh, what kind of yeah. adjustments did they make? Biggest adjustment that uh, I saw that they made was they really tightened the defense on Pascal Siakam. Mm. I think they saw what damage he could do. I think Draymond took it personal because that was his matchup in in game two. And uh, he really wanted to make it a point where um, he wanted to kind of limit Siakam's um, touches and make sure that Siakam felt him. And whatever performance that Siakam had in game one, it did not happen in game two. He was contained. I think he shot five for 18. A lot of the shots that he had in the paint was contested. He wasn't hitting his three. He just wasn't in rhythm. And I think the biggest thing that happened was in game one, he got in rhythm. And once you get in rhythm, you get confidence. If you play hoops before, you see your first couple shots come in and then you get really, 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 really big balls out there and you start throwing up all, all these balls. This time, Draymond took those balls away, he ripped them out, and then Siakam was definitely not comfortable. So that was one of the biggest adjustments that they had in uh, in Game 2. I was texting you after Game 1, uh, and I was saying right away that there's no way Siakam's going to have that game again. Knowing Draymond he, and, yeah. the, the, and the Warriors, they're going to lock down, and they did, dude. Like I knew that right off the bat. They're not, there's too, they have too much pride to let Siakam put up a game of his life on them again. And yeah. it, it was key, dude. It was so key <coughs> in winning Game 2. Siakam just never got that flow. He, everything was like tough. And you, you, know, you could see that there was some inexperience there. Uh, with Siakam like yeah. when you when you take away his strengths which is transition baskets and you make him into yeah. a jump shooter yeah it doesn't flow as easy it's kind of like Ben Simmons and Giannis right when you kind of take away yeah. their their strengths yeah they're, they're they feel a little naked out there yeah I mean he's a good player and he has a yeah. ton of skills but order for you 
to really reach star status, superstar status, the biggest thing is consistency, right? Yep. You know, for all the hate that we throw at LeBron James, that all the hate that I throw at uh, LeBron in this pod specifically, one thing's for sure is he's consistently able to kind of put up numbers out there despite the circumstances. And that's what makes all of these players super special, right? Speaking of yeah. consistent, Kawhi Leonard, man. He never gets too high. He never gets too low. Given the adjustments to Siakam, Kawhi Leonard had a much bigger game. He had much better numbers at the very least in game two. I think they really tried to double him a lot in game one. But in game two, you know, since Raymond wasn't helping as much and he was trying mm-hmm. to kind of distribute, you know, the defense a little bit more, Kawhi kind of had a better game overall. The, the Warriors kind of learned a valuable lesson the first game that you just cannot give these role players a lot of confidence. Because once they have a yeah. lot of confidence, the game comes easy to them, and down the stretch, their game—they're not as tight. And that's what—that's what role players are like. When you put them in positions where they're not in a flow, that at the end of the game, it doesn't come easy. And that's when you know you want that flow for your role players. And that's what the Warriors are good yeah. with—they give confidence to like their role players. But with that said, um, one of the biggest things. The biggest changes that Kerr made in game two was starting Boogie Cousins, man. After an eight-minute game one where he performed, uh, let's just say, not great. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a total different story. <laughs> total different story. Yeah, it was It was crazy. I think before the game, we were kind of speculating um, who, who was going to start. A bunch of people were saying Kavon Looney, uh, just because Kavon Looney has been playing really solid. The Jordan Bell experiment was done. I mean, Jordan Bell, yeah. I mean, it didn't work out there. <laughs> Much love to Jordan, but he didn't really capitalize on his opportunities, and that didn't match up, didn't work out. So it was it was interesting to see Boogie out there, just because, again, he's coming off from that major injury, and you never know what you're going to get for him. But man, Boogie came through. He had a double-double, he had double-digit mm-hmm. points. It wasn't that crazy. It wasn't like vintage to Marcus Cousins, but it was solid for someone who came off like a, a quad tear pretty much. Yeah. He he played big. He had a, a bunch of rebounds. He had double digit rebounds. He was boxing out. He he kind of limited Mark uh, Marcus effect- effectiveness. Yep. He even blocked a couple of shots, which I, which is not what I expected. So really interesting to see him out there. If anything, I'm extremely happy for him. Yeah. Boogie has gotten a bad rap. And he's been playing on all these bad teams, and it just it's not been the the healthiest situation emotionally for him to be in. And that just mm-hmm. really doesn't show how good of a person he is. With that said, given all of the struggles and and, and, and obstacles that he's had for the past year and a half with the with the Achilles and now this quad during his first playoff run, I was so, so happy to see him out there. Not just in in spot minutes and not just having a Mickey Mouse sort of showing out there. He started the game. Yeah. He played a, a, a solid presence. He contributed to towards the, the, the competition. Mm-hmm. Without him, they probably would not have gotten that win. And that just makes me so happy that he could have that sense of fulfillment of getting that situation. Dude, the Warriors are like a rehab center for these troubled players. Let's not forget JaVale McGee has rehabbed his whole image, dude. His whole image as a player and his game because of the Warriors, dude. Once he became a champion and really like bought into Kerr and the rest of the guys, he's a total different player. I mean, he played for the Lakers and he was he had no problems on the Lakers. There was no shacked in a full moments and stuff like that. So yeah, DeMarcus Cousins is another, another pr- player that's kind of going through this rehab center of theirs. Yeah, exactly. It was actually also kind of interesting to see how he responded to all of this 
uh, praise after after the game after they won. Mm-hmm. Given his role, a bunch of people were just kind of giving him props, and he was he was actually kind of humble about it. You know, it's kind of weird because he kind of he kind of had answers this very Steph Curry reminiscent. You know, back mm-hmm. in the day when Boogie was so emotional, you never know what he would say, and he would just mouth off. What he said was like he was happy for the opportunity that he had. He was yeah. willing to play whatever role was needed. Like he told Steve Kerr, "Hey man, if you need me to come off the bench, play two minutes, play forty minutes, you know, and start," he would do it. He wasn't going too crazy with the win. He realized that it was just one win, and the ultimate goal is to win four and to win the series, which is kind of nice to see and refreshing to see how mature he he is. And the biggest thing that stood out to me is um, he said something like. You know, I don't take any of this for granted. He knows, and he said he experienced how quickly this, all of this, can be taken away from from him. And it it was actually when he tore his Achilles, right? Yeah. That he's just enjoying the moment, and it was just kind of nice to see someone that's self aware and articulate enough to actually kind of say that. So for all the boogie hate and boogie haters, I mean, you can't hate on a situation where the guy hit rock bottom and he's close to finding some success and so it's an amazing story and i'm curious to see how he responds for the next couple games because damn we're gonna need him for sure yeah the box score it's not boogie's impact isn't necessarily in his stats and he had six assists he's actually a really good passer so he he made some really great passes in the offense and he's also an offensive threat so when you have Kevon looney out there he's not an offensive threat besides lobs but with demarcus cousins you have to guard him like if he puts the ball on the floor exactly. or he has the ball, you cannot just sag off him. Even at the three point line, you cannot sag off him. He can hit that shot, uh, but beyond that, he limited Marcus Sol to like just a couple points. I think it was like two for seven shooting. Uh, a stark difference between game one where he sh- scored twenty points, which is just like. Yeah. It's, it's house money if, if you're getting Gasol to score 20 points for the Raptors. Um, moving on from Boogie, Iggy hit a huge shot at the end of the game. And that was, uh, we were worried about Iggy being healthy. And he hit that big shot. So Iggy comes up clutch again for the Warriors. Not just on the defensive end, but on the offensive end. And I know you're super happy about that. Um, the way the yeah. way the game finished, even though you guys did kind of melt down a little bit, that game got a little bit closer yeah. than you wanted to. Yeah, I mean we've seen Andre hit these shots, but even if he still gets it in that situation, you're still kind of in that no 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 yes yeah. kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. I want to say this that I actually don't agree with him taking that shot. I think it was a bad shot. He he made it, which just when you make a shot, it's always a good shot. But I think yeah. with the clock situation, it actually was not a good shot. He should have ran the clock down. And even if they, if he runs the clock down and he shoots it, if it ricochets a long rebound and if you guys secure it, there's only a couple seconds left on the clock. But yeah. you know what? He made it. Props to him, dude. <laughs> Props to him. I don't know, man. There was no one within 16 feet of him. True. It was a wide open shot. If anything, it probably could have been a higher percentage shot if mm. he kind of stepped in and made the shot just to kind of maintain the lead. There was no one within 16 feet. He was wide open. They were like Steph said it after the game. They were it was dis- disrespectful defense. They just did. They dared him to take it, and he he made the shot. And you know how that's like. Like when we play basketball, when when yeah. when someone's wide open, it's like people are just like, "Damn, no respect for that dude." It's like you got to hit that shot to earn that respect. And yeah. Iggy did. Yeah, he did. He did earn that uh, that respect. Yeah, man. And this is why the experience, like the moment, wasn't too big for him. And. You know, he just focused and hit that shot. 
the other reason why he didn't want to drive probably is just because his mm. his free I, his free throws uh, yeah, percentages are really bad. <laughs> he actually really struggles, so I don't think he wanted to get fouled. Maybe he just shot it, and he was like, if he missed it, you know, long shot, long rebound. I don't know. All I'm saying is I'm happy that he mm. made the shot just because. Prior to that shot, Steph was in trouble, man, and he threw it out there. It could have been, yeah. a, it could have been a steal. Ooh, Kawhi was could have. Limitson saved it, dude. And you know, it was it was tough just because Sean had actually been struggling most of the the game. Like, just I was watching the game, and a lot of the 50-50 balls that he would get in past years, he wasn't getting there. And it, I, in many ways, right before the uh, before the quarter, I was like, man, Sean's. Sean showing his age, man. Yeah, dude. You know, I love Sean, but it's, you know, this this at, at this point in his career, it seems like it's a little bit of a struggle. But, again, he made a key play, and it's just bang, bang, and they made the shot. And it's, I mean, NBA Finals, man, you need to have these breaks to be able to pull it out. Hey, no one within 16 feet, bombs away, and, and Andre made it. Yeah, I also want to point out that Sean Livingston's stories, you were talking about Boogie's story. Sean Livingston's yeah. story is actually really an awesome story too i mean dude came back from a catastrophic injury to be a champion now and he's playing a key role even though yeah he, he's showing his age and let's let's be real like the injuries that he suffered and that he's come back for like he's a shell of what his potential could have been but he's playing still a vital role like that play it's instincts right he has the basketball yeah. instincts and he saved he really saved uh, the warriors from any potential game tying shot or game winning shot the raptors could have made yeah. if they secured that ball um, so props exactly. to Sean Livingston and his story, man. Um, he's a champion. Um, so moving on from this, uh, let's talk about that clay injury because that that's yeah. a huge thing that happened. He he went up for a shot. He came down. He kind of hyperextended his hamstring or something like that. He it landed yeah, awkwardly. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying yeah. to draw a foul or what the deal was. It just it was weird. So I, I it looked like a James Harden kind of extending the leg kind of mm. deal. But looking at different angles, Danny Green actually kind of hit him while he mm. was in the air. Hit him in his, like, his hip, which kind of threw him off balance a little bit. And then that's how he kind of tweaked the hamstring. He kind of landed on his like left leg a little awkwardly. With that said, I mean, I think he tried to play through it for a couple of, uh, a couple of, of plays. But eventually, I guess it tightened up on him. You could see him kind of just do an uh, inventory and just try to work it out, try to stretch his leg and whatnot. But there's a play when Quinn Cook, who actually made a couple of big shots as well, shout out to mm-hmm. Quinn. He was frustrating too, just because he was missing a lot of these shots in, in game one. But Quinn hit yeah. a big shot. You know, it was a dagger, right? But like Clay yeah. couldn't celebrate in the moment because his, his his hammy was you know barking at him, and he was trying to get like the the, the team to get an intentional foul because he needed to get out of there. So it's definitely a cause for concern at the time of recording. There really hasn't been any update on the situation. He's getting Everything's an MRI. Up for game that's what, that's, that was yeah. the latest news. He's getting an MRI and people are, or the, you know, everyone's waiting for the results of the MRI. Yeah. Uh, according to Steve Kerr, he said, he said that Clay told him that he'll be fine. But he then again, Kerr said that even if uh, he was, uh, Clay was dying, he would say he'd be fine. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, it would be a tough break, dude, if he doesn't play game three. But I expect him to be out there, to be honest. It's and the NBA Katie's, Finals, man. You, yeah, it's the NBA Finals. Yeah, if you can yeah. play, he's out there, even if he's 50%. Um, he's gonna be out there. That's that's the warrior Clay, yeah. Clay Clay is. And also another injury, Looney got hurt. I don't think it's serious, yeah. but he got hit oh, yeah. in the sternum or something like that, right? Yeah, Chest contusion. Kawhi's a monster, dude. Man. He is a monster. Like, he's a freaking go- brick house, dude. Every time he goes up there, I mean, he doesn't look like crazy big like LeBron, but yeah. I mean, he's chiseled. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
But like whenever you would go up there, I mean, there was a play where Kawhi went up there and Andrew Bogut and Draymond, who are, you know, they're big boys, man. They're strong guys, right? And Kawhi would just, he was just flinging them like ragdolls, dude. It was kind of crazy to see how strong Kawhi is. He caught Looney in the air once and it was an awkward, awkward landing. Last update I saw, Mm. and I need to fact check this, but I think uh, Woj tweeted that it was like um it was like a, a broken sternum or it was like Ooh. a fractured sternum or something like that so i don't know but it, 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 it seemed like a much more significant injury than what clay had let's just put that uh put that out there um but it was definitely on the upper body and it really got him it got him real bad man it, it got me concerned both of these injuries clay is such a key piece in making all of this work and then looney has been playing lights out he's just super skilled and just solid man he brings a lot of stability to our our bench and losing a piece like him is really uh, a big thing man yeah i want to make this point at the end of the game when clay was out the the warriors had the game in control but the the toronto raptors went to a box one zone which is basically one guy just covering Steph, and then the rest of the four guys they're playing in a box zone right and that was super effective and i was telling you beforehand or like you know during the game that it's only effective because Clay's not out there. <laughs> because there's no way you could play that and have Clay yeah. just roaming out there open. And they were really effective. They, the Warriors didn't score for a couple minutes. And the Raptors, they actually had trouble scoring too because the Warriors' defense stepped up, but they crept back into yeah. the game. Yeah. Moving forward, Clay needs to be out there, man. Clay needs to be out there. So we'll see if his injury is serious or not. And this is my, my final take on game two, and you can give your final take. Is Toronto yeah. really blue? Just like the Houston Rockets blew a chance to win this game, knowing that Clay went out and they were close in that game, even though they lost momentum in the third quarter. But once when Clay got injured, it's like that Katie injury, right? When Katie got hurt yeah. in that Houston series, that was prime yeah. opportunity for them to take that game and they squandered it. And this is how the yeah. Warriors are so good, man. They yeah. rise up in the moment despite whatever injury. It's like, can you imagine the Raptors winning that game if, let's say, Kawhi went out? No, I can't see it. I just can't see it. But the Warriors pulled through, and the Raptors blew it, man. I'm not saying the series is over, but, man, that was the game to win. Just like the Rockets, they had to win that game to to push the series to seven. Um, So, yeah, that's my final take. Uh, I I don't know if you have a final take about game two. Yeah, I think I just kind of want to piggyback on what, what you said. I mean, it's like when you play ball, right? There are certain plays within a game that kind of swing the momentum of a particular game. And this could be one of the things that swing a series, right? You have opportunities and you got to capitalize on them. The Warriors had a tough, tough adversity-filled game. I mean, mm-hmm. Steph was actually battling some dehydration uh, at the start of the game. He wasn't playing right. Andre got rocked by a screen. Steph, uh, and Clay, and then Looney. It's tough for, for the Raptors uh, to lose that game and I'm really happy as a Warrior fan that we were able to close it out it was just encouraging to see Boogie and the bench play a little bit better just because given mm-hmm. everything that's happening with um, the injuries that we have uh, not to mention KD's uncertainty we really needed that win uh, stealing home court is key that could really shift the advantage if we didn't come out with a split there the confidence is running low panic is settling in with all the injuries you never know what's going to happen even with an experienced team with the warriors so it was 
major, major, major that we came up with that win just because the future is uncertain, man, and we'll, yeah, we should dude. take what whatever opportunity that we got and we capitalized on it. Yeah, and let's let's close out this podcast with talking about what do you expect for Game Three since uh, Game 3 is coming up a Wednesday. So uh, why don't you go first and I'll close it out with what I think will happen in Game 3. Game 3, I think the biggest thing is just the whole KD situation. I think Steve Kerr said that there is a possibility, it's feasible, that KD will be able to play after just one practice. So there's an opportunity mm. that he can play practice you know, the day before uh, Game 3 just yeah. to get some, some reps in. So maybe it's a possibility. I hear talk that Game 4 is more of a possibility yeah. but the way that i think about it is just there's only one day between game three and game four if you're not going to play game three why are you playing game four you know what i mean would that yeah. make that much of a difference maybe i'm just i'm Wishful hoping thinking. that we can, <laughs> yeah wish well, i'm hoping that we can get him out there just because of all the injuries and given the uncertainty with uh with looney and and clay i think we need superman to come out there and help us out just because we may not have the same chances and the raptors are going to make adjustments to make Game 3 a much, much tougher game. The KD thing, I was watching um, The Herd, or, or like one of the shows where uh, Rick Buecher was on, and he was saying yeah. that, shout out to Buecher, by the way, Rick Buecher, Buecher and Friends, his podcast, check it out, that he said that there are a lot of people in KD's camp that, that are telling him not to play, apparently, because mm -hmm. this injury that he's suffering is actually pretty serious, that if he damages any further, is like Kerr said, it's one of those injuries, it's very mysterious, but once you hurt it again, it's game over. There's no coming back in terms of in this finals anymore. So that, I think that's why they're playing it with kid gloves right now. Uh, I think that the Raptors need to win game three. <laughs> I Just because I don't think KD's going to come back game three, I think they're still targeting game four. As all the reports have been long before this series started that they were probably gearing for game four more likely than game three. But if they do not win game three without KD and KD comes back game four, I think it's kind of like a Willis Reed moment, dude. Yeah. You have all this momentum with the, the Warriors having all these injuries. And they're the this is the most fragile I've ever seen them, man. <laughs> like just health-wise so fragile that if you do not win game yeah. three it's a freaking tall order the kd warriors i don't care what people say like oh the warriors better with kd or K or not that's stupid right kd yeah. on the warriors makes them almost unbeatable in a seven game series all right sure any yeah. one game you can be anybody but in a seven game series you're not beating a, a kd led warriors or a, just like a, a warrior team with kd he could be like freaking 50 percent, but he's a threat so uh, yeah, Toronto needs to t take game three. Those role players need to st step up. Siakam cannot shoot five for 18. He's got to be mm. respectable. And Marcus Gasol, he can't get swallowed by Boogie Cousins. This simply said. And Kyle Lowry needs to step up. And we've talked about this a lot. Lowry, he plays great defense. He, you, you can tell his heart's in the game. He's, he's all over the place. But offensively, mm. he needs to be effective, man. You, He's chasing around Steph Curry or Van Fleet's chasing around Steph, Clur Steph Curry. But yeah. Fleet is Van Fleet's scoring. You can't have Lowry not, yeah. not scoring double digits, man. So that's kind of my take at the end. I don't know if you have any final thoughts. Yeah, I think final thoughts is as the series progresses more into the, the middle rounds, the key to winning the series is whoever can keep the intensity defensively will mm -hmm. have more chances to win. And I know that's pretty straightforward of a statement, mm -hmm. but... These are two very good defensive teams and the ones that can maintain the consistent defensive presence uh, will, you know, have an advantage. I do think if the Warriors can maintain a frenetic pace 
So if Draymond keeps his energy level high and he keeps mm-hmm. on pushing the ball to get it to the Warriors' pace, then it's a much, much more advantageous situation for the Warriors. I think if they play their game, even though the personnel isn't there, I think if the team is set up to, to, to succeed. So if KD isn't there, then we're going to have to make do with whomever we have there right now. Maybe Boogie can continue his progression yeah. and play even more of a, sh- a bigger game. I would like to see that. Otherwise, it's just defense and pace, man. And whoever dictates the defense and the pace that matches their team's, um, their team's strengths, that's where the, the series is going to go. So I'm not taking anything for granted. We got to protect home court. Dub Nation needs to come on strong, show yeah. Canada how it is to be champions and get come in with the energy and hopefully shut up drake that's what they need to do shut up drake yeah man (laughs) i expect some things out there that's gonna be roasting on drake you see that little uh clip with uh kd and co uh and clay on uh uh, you know towards the locker room yeah dude he was like let's just say that aubrey these players know man they they take this shit personally i mean i know outside the court i'm sure they're cool with drake and stuff like that like in the off season they'll probably go to his concert but in the moment these guys want to shut him up like they there's just more fuel to fire these athletes are the highest caliber athletes they take any motivation they can from anywhere so it's like one of those things where like the patriots for example right they don't talk shit about anybody because they don't want to give any fuel to the other team yeah, and kerr is kind of like that too well, that's what drake does man and he's he's <laughs> definitely poked the bear he definitely yeah. talks talks so much trash draymond after game one so see you in oakland aubrey see you in <laughs> oakland bro all right with that said let's uh, let's close out this episode uh thank you for listening shout out to the titas <laughs> So uh, <laughs> follow us on IG Ball versus Life Official, uh, and shoot us an email Ball versus Life at gmail.com and leave, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll send you some swag. So we'll catch you on the next one. Game three coming up. Go Warriors, right, JC? Go Warriors. Go Raptors. Let's go Warriors. <laughs> My prediction, Let's man. Go titas. <laughs> All right, go Titas. See you guys. All right, peace.